And then he tells us, hey, my design for your life is not that you would survive and be this strong survivor that makes it through, but that you would rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Thank Him for everything and know that He who loves you, He who has purposed it will also do it. Well, praise the Lord. I just love hearing testimonies. And uh, I was hearing a testimony. I heard a testimony on Friday um, from Neda was telling me that she had come in a couple of weeks ago. I may have been to the miracle meeting. And she had um, such a serious issue with her knee. She had, was bone on bone. The cartilage had been completely gone. And I mean, I don't know if you know Neda, she's a tough one. She, you know, she doesn't complain. <laughs> and she's been, she's had a really tough life and she's tough. But she had come to the point where the pain was unbearable and she decided, I'm going to have prayer tonight. And um, so she came into the meeting, but she told me before she could get to come and have prayer at the end, by the end of the sermon, by the end of the, the worship and then the message, she said, all the pain was completely gone. And this is two weeks ago. She demonstrated yesterday, running up and down, moving, bending up and down. She said, there is absolutely no pain. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. Hearing other testimonies of people who've been in hospital and uh, having tests and expecting that it's going to be bad results and having had prayer come back with great results. And, you know, there's nothing too difficult for God. Hallelujah. And I believe we're in a, a time where I feel like the Lord's speaking to me and saying, you'll be like those who dreamed. And we're already start stepping into this experience where it's like we're walking in a dream. This is easy. The miracles are popping. The glory is manifesting. And while the world gets, seems to get darker and darker, God is releasing more and more joy, more and more hope, more and more glory. And it's beautiful if you keep your eyes on that which is pure and lovely and of a good report. Hallelujah. I just think he's incredibly patient. Isn't God patient? <laughs> Wow, praise God, he is not like the humans we know. He doesn't run out of patience. He doesn't get fed up or annoyed or ticked off. He is patience personified. He is so good and he's so kind. I want to read to you um, some from Psalm 92, if you've got your Bibles. I know Josh has a new Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah says here, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. With the ten-string lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you've done. I will sing for joy at the work of your hands. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we can read these psalms and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a nice one. And, and sort of look for more, where is a meaty word? And not recognize what the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to our hearts. 
the Jewish scholars will tell you this is one of the oldest psalms they have handed down through. They, they actually talk about it um, being written by Adam, having handed down through oral tradition. But wherever and whoever wrote it, this concept of I'm going to declare your loving kindness in the morning and I'm going to declare your faithfulness by night. I'm going to worship the Lord with thanksgiving. It's a constant theme of Scripture. The other week we were looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Who can tell me the memory verse from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16? Rejoice always. Well done, Pastor Barry. Someone give him a Mars bar. Hallelujah. <laughs> Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And the next verse is just as easy. Pray without ceasing. Another Mars bar over here for Pastor James. <laughs> Rejoice always. Say it. Pray without ceasing. And then it says one more thing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we rejoice always, we pray without ceasing, and in everything we give thanks, because this is the will of God for us, that we would live happy. Righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of God. You go, hang on, hang on, I don't know about this happiness, you know. In his presence, the Bible says there is fullness of joy. Some versions will read it, uh, will translate it, absolute joy, where there's not room for anything that isn't joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. And we can drink deeply from the river of his pleasure forevermore. Hallelujah. God tells us, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. He tells us in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, uh, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God and the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. In other words, it's just agreeing with 1 Thessalonians here, saying just pray about everything. And it's not, okay, you need to do better with your prayer life. You need to go longer. You need to go harder. It's actually stepping into the invitation, just as we heard prophesied, to come aside and begin to, to understand the friendship that we're being invited into. Friendship happens by spending time. If you want to develop a bond of friendship, a bond of love, it happens through conversation and spending time together. This concept in Psalm 92 of in the morning I'm going to declare your loving kindness, in the evening I'm going to declare your faithfulness, I'm going to give thanks to you continually. What this is isn't a religious ritual. We can do all sorts of religious rituals. If you can, you might have a ritual in the morning. I get up and I, not me, you, maybe get up and go to the gym or go for a jog. It's too cold. I tell you, in the morning, I'm like, oh, I just like to stay in my bed for a little bit longer because it's cold. But we develop rituals and habits. I have a, a prayer plant in my bedroom, actually. I, the Academy gave it as a Christmas present last year. I have kept it alive for more than six months. 
Hallelujah. It has a drink on Sundays. And every night, it's a Brazilian prayer plan, actually. And every night, it closes up its beautiful big fronds and it closes them up like this, like hands that pray. And it closes up like this. It's so beautiful. And then every morning, without fail, it opens up like this. Every morning, every evening, every morning, every evening. And you know what? It's a beautiful reminder to me of the rhythm that the Holy Spirit wants us to have in our life, to be continually praying, talking to the Lord, every morning opening up our hearts to worship Him, to give thanks. And God's heart for us is to be deliberate, to intentionally spend time with the Lord. And just as we do with other things. So you might have your, your little rhythm of how your morning goes and your evening goes. And there are religions around the world that have rhythms. They have set daily habitual practices. You can see the Jews do their, their things. You, if you travel like I do, you'll often see um, Jewish people in airports finding this, the, the spot to, to go and to, to pray, and they'll do it religiously. And you'll see um, Muslims and people from all sorts of different religions have ha habits, rhythms. Uh, we see people have rhythms about all sorts of things and habits, and habits that can be good, they can be bad. But God's heart for us in developing a morning, evening, pray without ceasing habit isn't that we would put our faith in the habit or in our doing, but that by developing the habit, we would be investing in time with, of talking with him so that we get to know this one who loves us so that we can rejoice always. We love because he first loved us. The difference between religious ritual and relationship is that you're, when you are doing it, you're not putting your faith in the fact that this is doing me good, I'm doing this because this is doing me good. You're, you're by faith connecting with the one who looks at you and loves you. No, I've shared this before, but one of my favorite verses is just half a verse in Mark chapter 10. Verse 21, where Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. And it says there that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And I love this verse because I know this to be true. I know because that's how he looks at me. He looks at me and loves me. And it's so amazingly, shockingly glorious I used to believe that God would probably look at me with a bit of frustration or a bit of <sighs> uh, tolerance. But instead, every time I lift my eyes to him, I know that he's looking at me and loving me. In order to engage with that, we actually have to have faith when we open up in the morning to give thanks, when we close our hands in prayer at night time. Every time we do this, instead of saying, well, I'm doing this because it's good and yes, because it's the right thing to do, instead going, oh, Father, 
I'm looking at you, the one who looks at me and loves me. As by, in faith, as you look at him and believe how he feels about you, you get to engage with his loving kindness. So when I'm telling of his loving kindness in the morning, when I'm declaring his loving kindness, it's a response to a faith that is looking and believing that he is looking at me and loving me. Scripture tells us in the Song of Songs that your face to me is lovely and your voice is sweet. I remember um, my father, mum and dad were divorced when I was about four years old and mum moved up to Brisbane. And in those days, uh, it was sort of thought, well, it's better just if we move on. And so mum remarried we were told to call my stepdad, dad, and we were told to call my real dad by his first name. And we only ever got to really see him once or twice a year. And he lived about 12 hours away down in Condoblin. But I, I remember one day when I was six years old, it was my birthday. And I don't know how he happened to be there, but my dad turned up. And my mum wasn't that excited about it, but she sent us downstairs for, for about, and we had about 15 minutes. I remember him, my, my brother and I on the patio, and my dad was there. And as, as I sat there and he was, we were just outside, I remember as clear as day, he looked at me and he went, you've got such pretty green eyes. And it was that moment I went, I remember that forever. He looked at me and loved me. He was looking me in the eyes. And my dad, he, he's, a, he's a softie and, and he's, he loves language and words. We still talk every day on the phone almost every day or every second day. I, I call him up for help with the, with the words in the quiz. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> he loves language. But I, I would only get to see him once or twice a year, all the way through until I was an adult. But I remember this look of love. Recently, I had lunch with him, which was nice, and uh, he drove up. He now lives in, uh, down in Ocean Shores, a couple of hours away. And he, he drove up and met me for lunch at the Gold Coast, and it was just the two of us. I remember we're having lunch and I'm nattering away about all sorts of things. And I suddenly I realized he was just looking at me with smiling eyes. I went, oh, it's that same look. He's looking at me and loving me. You know, Jesus can do that with a look. And he didn't care what I was saying, really. I was interested. It's just, just, you could tell with his eyes. I'm just, I'm just happy to see your face. I'm just happy you want to spend time with me. You didn't say it, didn't have to articulate it. You could see it. And you know, that's how God is with us every day when we come to him. This is the difference between a ritualistic putting things on our head and wrapping things around our arms or, or ritualistically going through the motions. As we build by choice into our lives a daily habit of, early I will seek your face. 
I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you a name glory. I'm going to declare your, thank, your, your loving kindness in the morning. I'm going to talk to you about all the things. I'm going to give you all the wounds. I'm going to pray without ceasing, talk to you as the one who never slumbers or sleeps. I'm going to talk to you continually as my best friend. As we do that in faith, believing that God isn't just tolerating us, but looking at us and just enjoying the fact that we're talking to him, that experience of the love of God will increase and increase and increase. And the more you receive it by faith, the more your capacity grows to take it in. The more you take in, the more he pours in. In fact, he tells us in Ephesians 3 that we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us strength because the love that he wants to give to us is higher, deeper, wider than anybody could possibly comprehend. It's not humanly comprehensible how much he loves you. It's not humanly comprehensible to take in what he wants to give, yet he says that you may be filled to overflowing with all the fullness of God. My body is like, like this compared to the, uh, the enormity of the universe, and he fills the entire universe, he feel, and, and more. And yet he wants to fill me with all his fullness continually. And then he tells us, hey, my design for your life is not that you would survive and be this strong survivor that makes it through, but that you would rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything, thank Him for everything, and know that He who loves you, He who has purposed it will also do it. You might think, ah, oh, this sounds like fluffy, happy, dark stuff. <laughs> people, people come and they, they criticize me. Ah, oh, you're just too fluffy happy. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't, the Bible, of course, doesn't tell us that life is going to be nothing but happy, good things happening. He tells us in this world we will have trouble. But he doesn't say, suck it up and be strong. He doesn't say, hold it, come on, stay there, you'll be right. He says, take heart, for I've overcome the world. David, when he's got just the very armies that he's been anointed to lead, the same ones who saw him defeat Goliath and who followed him into battle to see thousands of Philistines overcome, those same ones were told a lie that he was a traitor and a bad man and are now hunting him. And yet in Psalm 27, he says, I would have lost heart. I would have despaired had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Let your soul take courage. Wait on the Lord, I say. 
He knew. You know what he knew? He knew that when he would lift up his face to the Lord, the Father was looking at him with eyes that loved him. The Father's looking at him, loving him. That the Father was there to infuse him with courage and strength. That the Father wasn't there saying, toughen up, boy. But the, the Father was there saying, I love you. I'm for you. I'm going to cause what I have promised to you to come to pass. Take heart. Don't give up hope, for I am faithful. And he would daily, habitually, ritualistically seek the Lord in the morning, seek the Lord in the evening, can talk to the Lord about everything. And you know what? God calls it the key of David that will open doors that no man can shut, that will close doors no man can open. It's the higher way of living. It's the, the above the storm living that you and I are invited into. It's the place where Jesus was able to walk on water. It was the place where, where the disciples are freaking out because the storm's so bad, Jesus is asleep in the boat and surprised that they don't yet get it. You are not called to be a victim to survive the storms of life, but you are called to live above it, to recognize that you've already been seated with him in heavenly places, that I've given you authority. And though adversity comes and though difficulties happen, I have overcome it and I've given you authority over all the works of the evil one, hallelujah, and that you are not alone. God isn't up in heaven testing you to see if you'll do okay. He's there saying, I am with you. I want you to pray without ceasing. I want you to recognize that we are now one and you don't have to do one moment of this life alone ever again. Wonderful Jesus. One of the beautiful things about my prayer plan is even when I haven't opened the curtains. If it's morning, the leaves are wide open just like this. It, it just knows. It's morning, evening, morning, evening. And you know what? We aren't called to have a prayer life that's just responsive to whether things are going well or going hard. If you'll begin to build into your life morning and evening, a ritualistic, glorious habit of saying, this is what I do first thing in the morning, then as you do that, what you're doing is you are digging deeper and deeper into the relationship that you have been gifted with through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You are investing into the relationship gift that has been given to you. God, Jesus Christ gave his life for us so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And every time, morning and evening, I spend time with him, I'm not doing my religious duty. I am investing in the gift. I am watering what has been given, and it is glowing and flourishing and multiplying within me. And the heart of God is for us to recognize that as we do this, 
I believe there is a revolution and a glorious outpouring of the Spirit of God that is going to revolutionize people's prayer lives in these coming days. Where people who have through the night and through the, the, the dark, difficult times, they've, they've begun to develop habits of, of praying. I believe there is a fresh anointing, a fresh oil coming upon your eyes, anointing your eyes to see like never before. And even as you have trusted Him when you haven't been able to see, I believe it's a new day. The dawn is coming and you're going to drink in the light of His glory like ever before. That as you begin to invest your time in the relationship He's given, God is going to put within your heart a cry to say, show me your glory. And He's going to do it. And He's going to do it. And He's going to do it until your face begins to shine so brightly that everyone who comes in contact with you is feeling this love that comes through your eyes. The love of the Father that's not natural, that's not human. God hasn't called us to love with human love. Human love has limits. But God is wanting to release to your heart a glory and a joy that is exceeding, that is beyond all we could ask, hope, or imagine. So that everyone you meet, everyone you speak to on the phone, every interaction you have at work, people are impacted by the presence of God. Moses said, I'm not going if your presence doesn't go with us. And then the Lord said, all right, my presence will come with you. But as a result of, of him talking to the Lord and pouring out his heart, Moses' heart had been set ablaze even further until the, after he'd got his request, let your presence go with us, he automatically followed it up with, show me your glory. Because as you spend time in the presence of God, God will ignite, ignite in your heart a hunger, a revival hunger that will grow and grow and grow until you get to a place where I must have more at any cost. God is delivering us from the fear of religious, dry ritual and bringing us into a place of genuine surrender that says, Lord, I want to give you my thanksgiving in the morning. I want to declare of your loving kindness that wants to worship him, that wants to love him. I want to finish today's program by leaving you with this thought. Sometimes a test is just an opportunity for a testimony. If you've been through difficulty in your life, as we all have, the Bible says, in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Because we have a promise that God wants to give us double for our trouble. Isaiah 61, 7, for your former shame, pain and disgrace, I'll give you double recompense. And I believe that as we bring our trouble, our pain, our mess, our ashes to the divine exchange table intentionally and sow it like foreign currency at an exchange place, God wants to give us the exchange rate of heaven, which is beauty instead of ashes, double for our trouble. Bring him your pain today. God wants to give you 
double back for all that you've gone through. But he's a really good God. I love mentoring people and I get requests from people all over the world for mentoring. And so we have a monthly partners mentoring Zoom that is just so life-giving. We see uh, all our monthly partners come together. We, we do a couple through the month for different time zones so that you can ask questions and we can have discussions about the latest thing the Lord's saying and doing. I'd love for you to be a part of that. I'd love to be able to connect with you as one of our monthly partners. If you want to join and be a monthly partner today, go to the website. I'm looking forward to seeing you.